0: Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we only have two of us. It's been it's been kind of a, a drama-filled week. We were going to do this Friday, and then I had the golf tournament. We're like, oh, we'll do it on Saturday. We we're going to do it on Saturday. I can't remember what was up Saturday, but somebody couldn't go. And so we're like, well, we'll do it Sunday. And then now Dre and Justin both have things going on, so it would have been better off choosing either of the other days. But now here we are. It's me. It's Jake Schwanitz. And uh, we've got some stuff to talk about today.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Um, finally, after recapping the fun yet exhausting 2022 NFL draft, we kind of turned the page here. Get back to some college football. Finally, I'm excited. I don't know about you. I mean, we don't need uh, Justin and uh, Andre to have some fun and talk some college football today.
0: Yeah, seriously, it is going to be a lot of fun. I am excited. This football season. like, Like, it's a weird thing for me where... I really don't have much I have to do in the summer. Like, I still have to, like, do the podcast, get some written stuff up. There's no driving up to Boulder. There's no, like, late nights and and building my life around CU. And so that part of it's nice, but at the same time, I'm just spending all day thinking about football season and when the Buffs are back and mostly when the Broncos are back. I'm so excited to see those guys play. Um, But, yeah, we get to dig in. And we might as well just start right here, talking about the Buffs. There's been – some changes to that conference. You know, it was kind of funny when, uh, when Lincoln Riley went to USC. The CU fans are like, oh, no, this is horrible. And it's also like, well, you're, you're 0-15 all time against USC, so does anything really change for you? But that USC team keeps getting better and better. And that continued when Jordan Addison, was that last week? I think it was last week, maybe the week before he announced that he was uh, headed to USC rumors around the reasons why it seems like he's picking up at least a few million dollars by choosing USC over it's, I think Texas was probably the number 2 choice um but just what what are your initial reactions to the Blitnikoff winner going to work with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams
1: Yeah uh kind of crazy really I mean you don't really see these high profile guys transferring but I guess in this new age of NIL and just college football in 2022 this is just where we're at I mean initial reaction was just kind of shocked. I mean, honestly, not really surprised after the whole Caleb Williams drama with Lincoln Riley. Um, but to see him just go to pit and completely poach Jordan Addison. I mean, we're just going fast forward into a black hole, man. We have no idea what's going to happen. These are just, we're making up rules as we go. It's insane.
0: Totally. And the thing is like, they're, they're trying to make up rules as they go, but they're, they still haven't really started. Like they're at this point, they're talking about making rules as they go. And I guess the, the big change here, and this will be probably the most impactful thing they can do, is that they aren't going to let collectives pay for student-athletes to transfer, pay student-athletes to transfer. And, and that's always been the rule, um, because although there are very few rules on the transfer portal and NIL deals and those sorts of things, there is still the recruiting rule that says boosters cannot be involved in that process. And that piece kind of gotten got forgotten when it turned into the wild west so you had boosters with their businesses paying student athletes or or boosters building these collectives where they pay them to do work around the community or something like that but it's it's just a reason to be able to give them a bunch of cash that's going to be outlawed and it previously just wasn't enforced which was an issue but you wonder like jordan addison with three million dollars where does that come from odds are it's boosters, it's a collective, and that this is kind of the last piece of this chaos offseason.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, at the other hand, though, we might just be step one of this entire process because it's, like I said, we're just hurtling into the unknown. Uh, So many kind of rules being written on the run also. I mean, you have the SEC commissioner uh, on an article from Yahoo Finance actually talking about how they're just seeing straight payments on these NIL deals which obviously wasn't how this was meant to be designed <laughs> uh, because we're basically just getting college football free agency in 2022 where, I mean, if anyone's unhappy uh, you can kind of head out and just kind of start your recruiting over again. I mean, BC star receiver a flowers, he was actually offered six, uh, multiple six figure offers to transfer And had players from non-conference opponents DMing him, messaging him, basically recruiting him while he is enrolled and playing for the BC football team. I mean, it's just insane what we have going on right now. Uh, The Jordan Addison stuff just takes it to another level. Getting Texas and USC involved is literally just the big bloods, just, you know, throwing money back and forth, seeing who can get uh, Jordan Addison to come. USC won.
0: Totally. And and it is crazy. And, you know, there's parts of it that, are going to die down and for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, the, the one that everybody points to is that there's players stuck in the portal who can't find new places to go. And, and I think a lot of the fringe players are going to wonder if there really are greener pastures out there. You know, you look at, you know, a Brendan Rice, for example. This isn't quite the same, but Brendan Rice leaves CU, and it's a bad passing offense, worse passing offense, except for the uh, the – uh, service Academy schools run the triple option. Still, he would be the number one receiver. If there's growth, there's growth and he's going to be the guy who benefits the most off of that. But he sees Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams go to USC and he says, well, why wouldn't I go play with them? The answer is, well, now they brought in Jordan Addison. They also brought in Mario Williams from Oklahoma and they had a couple of good proven receivers already. And so now you're looking at the depth chart and maybe Brendan Rice is number five on that depth chart. That's assuming he's able to beat out some of the other guys that, that we, we don't know all that much about. You know, it's pretty easy to see a place where he's the number eight receiver and, and could kind of waste away for a year instead of being the number one. And so I think that there's a lesson to be learned there that you don't want to be the first one to commit out of that portal. And, and I think that these kind of horror stories are going to keep coming out and coming out and that's going to change some of the things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel for players like him that actually, you know, we're utilizing the, the transfer portal the way it's meant to be used, kind of using it to get a second chance, mm-hmm. um, you know, just find a better fit. I mean, he made some plays at CU, but it's obvious that it just wasn't a complete, you know, mesh of a skill and scheme. So good for him going out to find a, you know, a new home and a place that he can thrive in, or at least seemed like it. Um, but yeah, this is just what happens, I guess, once the big kind of, uh, I guess, prospects at this point uh, get involved in the NIL and the transfer portal with this whole new age college football stuff. I mean, it's all just completely brand new. Um, Colin Calvert said the NIL bidding war for Jordan Addison. I think you mentioned it, near $3 million. I mean, it's literal free agency. I mean, they're just they were throwing money back and forth. Um, We also saw your guy, Brew McCoy. He was a USC receiver and he transferred out. He's at Tennessee now. Um, So the butterfly effect from all this is just it's rippling all the way through college football. And it's we're not even close to done with that. I mean, we're just getting started.
0: Yeah, it's a it's wild. It's wild. There's there's just so much going on. And you wonder what is going to change. Because the, the, the big cloud kind of hanging over all of this is that if the NCAA makes a rule, odds are somebody who's impacted by that rule is just going to take it to court. And the courts have made it pretty clear that they're ruling against the NCAA and all of this sort of stuff. Because you know, if the NCAA says, well, you can only make up to a million dollars on a deal. Actually, no, this is America. You can't put rules in place like that. That's just an, an antitrust lawsuit that you will not win. And so there's just so many pieces. And part of it is, I mean, it's, it's been this way for forever. You know, the NCA has kind of taken advantage of players for so long that when it's, you hit that breaking point, there's, there's no easing into this. It's just all of a sudden, nope, all of that is not allowed anymore. Wild West. You could have, you could have tried to make rules over the last decade to kind of keep control, but now they have no control over anything. And, and it's bad for the game. Like it, it really is bad for the game. People don't want to see this anymore. Um, like it's it, there's it's making teams even more relevant than, than they already were. And it's good for the players. And I do, I just don't know how you balance those two things, because long term, you know, if people aren't watching college football because there's three good teams. First of all, I would say that's kind of been historically how college football works is that there's three good teams every year. Um But if people aren't watching, that money is going to go away. And all of a sudden the opportunity is gone for everybody.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. All great points. A couple of things. I mean, one, I would love to go back in time. I mean, I guess we can go back in time. We can just pull up the episode and listen to it, but just go back to last year when this was kind of all unfolding and hear what we said about it. Because I think obviously we didn't know what was going to happen back then, but I don't think we quite expected it to reach this level um, within one year where we're seeing, Belitnikoff Award winners. We're seeing superstar freshman quarterbacks and Caleb Williams. Um, just they're of course it's all involved with Lincoln Riley and everything. Who's really kind of been the catalyst and has been. I mean, if you want to put a, a bad guy to this whole thing so far, it's probably Lincoln Riley is the bad guy of NIL and this college free agency nonsense we got going on. Um, but yeah, like what you mentioned with the NCAA and how they can't really control anymore. Uh, I think the conferences are sort of learning that too. I mean, even all the conference commissioners are realizing this is kind of out of their hands now too. And with the NCAA, I don't want to say it's collapsing, but it's starting, we're kind of starting to enter this new era, I guess, of college sports where the NCAA isn't going to play as big a factor. Um, It's just going to be interesting to see how the conferences, how the conference commissioners, and how the remnants of the NCAA or whatever new organization pops up uh uh, who knows what's going to happen at this point but um it's just it's all so new and just weird (laughs) i just don't know how to really react to it all at this point
0: it it is it is weird and you just wonder what's going to happen because they still haven't made any rules and and the reason is again like first of all basically any rule they make gets struck down but also all the states have different rules you know it started with uh like california just saying like yeah you're not allowed to stop your student athletes from making money off their name, image, and likeness. Then other States follow, but all the details and those different things were very different. And so trying to get all those to work together, that's chaos. And then you also have things like, like California, they had a bill that died in their legislature, I think two, two weeks ago um, that basically said that in any college sport for any school, so it's not the entire athletics department. It's like the USC football program. If the scholarships that you pay out are less than 50% of your revenue, you've got to pay your student athletes the to, to make that up, to get up to that 50%. And then you're talking about literal paying the players. Again, that's based off of how the NFL works with their CBA, where players get whatever, 48% of, of all revenue and the rest goes to the owners. Um, and that's how the salary cap is spent and or set, and that's how all the different sports do it—is something right around fifty percent. But if that had gone through, that changes everything as well. And so you have all these state governments doing different things. You have the NCAA that can't touch anything. You have the conferences trying to put together their own rules, and and at some point you just need the federal government to come in, and that just seems like a a, a bad situation where you're banking on the U.S. federal government. To to make good rules that'll make college sports fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're literally getting the government involved, having court cases, counter suing, suing each other. I mean, it's just getting nasty at this point. Um, and we're talking about basically amateurs. I mean, semi pro players at this point. This it's just insane to see how fast it's really moved. Um, at this point in time, it, it's and Jordan Addison really being the catalyst of it all. Real quick on the player, though, I mean, this is an awesome football player who's going to be transferring over to a Pac-12 that, I mean, we can kind of talk about a bit if you want, but I think they're kind of lacking, especially with Oregon, uh, a little bit on a downtrend. It seems like this conference is there for the taking for anyone, really, and now USC comes in with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. I mean, they're throwing everything at it to really go and claim the Pac-12 title in 2022.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, college football news put out their bowl projections. I think yesterday, maybe it was the day before. Um, We run through those. And once again, it's somebody putting USC in the college football playoff. And that is just so hard for me to believe. Like, having watched that team for three years now, it's like, no. USC, that's the team we're saying is college football playoff bound? Like, And they still do have questions, you know. What is that defense? You know, do they have more than two or three good players on that defense? know, they really struggled with the offensive line last year? You've got Andrew Voorhees up there now, who I, mean, is, I, I think is probably going to go from guard to tackle and turn himself into that Elijah Tucker type of prospect. But outside of him, there are a couple of question marks. Um, so what, how, how much can Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, and, you know, they bring in like a Shane Lee, a guy who didn't make, didn't play all that much at Bama as a linebacker, but he, he comes to USC. Now, is he that big of an upgrade? Like, can they take that big of a step this year? It just seems crazy to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, part of me uh, wants to say, yes, they can just because it's Lincoln Riley who, I mean, when it's, when you boil it down, I mean, he's an incredible football coach, probably one of the best that we have in college football and NFL combined uh, just in terms of football intelligence, So he's bringing that in and obviously he's bringing all these players in. Um, But again, yeah, like what you said, I just, it's USC, man. I mean, it's still a pretty tough schedule. Um, I mean, you open up against Rice, you go to Stanford week two. um, You don't really have many crazy road games. I mean, you go to Oregon state, you go to Utah, um, you get Notre Dame at home. uh, You go to Arizona. I mean, it's a really kind of simple schedule in terms of USC, the out-of-conference isn't too crazy, and you're getting a lot of the big Pac-12 games at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're going to have a chance. Uh, we'll see if they make it to the title game, and if they do, I mean, who's waiting there? Is it an Oregon? Is it a Washington? Uh, and how good are those teams at this point? Probably you. Um, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say that they're the favorite there out of that division. Um, but, yeah, it's Pac-12 is just wide open. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, USC yeah. – they're really – if USC ends up going 8-4, and four, um, or they just end up missing uh, the t- title game in general. It's going to be one of the biggest disappointments I think college football has seen in quite some time. I see it and say, like, well, this is, a,
0: this is a team that didn't just lose to these teams, lost these teams by double digits last season. By double digits. They lost to Stanford, to Oregon State, to Utah. I can't believe it for that one. To Notre Dame, to UCLA, to uh, Arizona State to Cal they they lost all those games by double digits like are you really turning all those into wins this year like that's just such a big ask
1: yeah yeah I'm with you I mean and it's a uh, like you mentioned I mean we got to see how the secondary looks I, I haven't been particularly mm-hmm. uh, impressed by the offensive line I mean it seems like the quarterback's always under duress yeah uh, yeah there's targets to throw to yeah there's talent out of the backfield um but who knows? I mean, Clay Helton was such a kind of shit show as we got towards the end there last year that maybe just bringing in a, a better coach and Lincoln Riley does kind of help it all. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. I guess it's it's gonna get crazy in the pack twelve though, Henry. We got some uh we got some headlines.
0: I know, especially now that they're they're done with the divisions in the championship game. Now that it can just be like oh I
1: forgot. Like, oh my god.
0: It can be USC Utah. And it's like that's to me is like Utah. What, what the hell is up with Utah? Like they should, they're, they're another team. That's like, they what, 2019, they were number five going into the uh, championship game and wound up losing to Oregon. And that's when, mm-hmm. if you win, there's a good chance you're in the college football playoff. Like they have been in that like five to 10 range, five to 12 range every year. And it just seems like it's by default. Like it seems like it's because USC just isn't that good or because like Oregon isn't that good. Washington isn't that good, but I mean, maybe, maybe that's just disrespectful. Maybe Utah actually is the real college football playoff contender here because it's not like they lost all that much. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? Cameron rising. Was he a freshman last year? Now he's a sophomore at quarterback. They Pac-12 is going to be crazy. Who knows what's going to happen?
1: Yeah. Real quick on Utah. I mean, big game opening up the season uh, yeah. in the swamp at Florida. Um, You get a FCS Southern Utah the week after that, and then you get San Diego State coming in. Um, That's a pretty powerful out-of-conference schedule. Uh, You also get games at Oregon. Uh, You get USC in Salt Lake City. You got to travel to Tempe, too. I mean, there's some tough games on the schedule for this Utah team. Um, But yeah, they're they're kind of like the almost the Pac-12's anti-Pac-12 team. I mean, they're always... About running the football, uh, playing defense—you uh, know, just sound good football, technically sound. Uh, you know, they're not going for all the the speed and the flash of the Oregon's and the USC and all the highly touted recruits. They just consistently churn out good football teams. Um, so yeah, that's going to be probably the biggest roadblock in front of USC, I'd say, this coming season.
0: Probably, and I mean, you brought up the Utah Florida game. The other big one for the Pac-12 is Oregon Georgia.
1: And mm. you get
0: that early in the season, Georgia obviously lost so many pieces from last year, Oregon beat Ohio state in a similar situation last year. Those are the two big ones for the PAC 12, where if you wind up winning those two, and then you can just not embarrass yourself and the rest of not knock- like USC doesn't lose to rice or Fresno or whatever, like you're, you're right. gonna, you're going
1: to be in good shape. Yeah. I mean, also- it's- Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, I mean, you're going to see this kind of weird, like cannibalization of college of like college football teams and their resumes and schedules, because obviously USC doesn't have any of these big games. So they're like rooting here for Oregon to beat Georgia, They're rooting for Utah to beat Florida. And then they got to beat them. So, yeah, just crazy. Uh, We got more, though, like you said.
0: We do. We've got the, the even bigger drama that was happening in college football. And then after that, we're actually going to get into Pat Sertan. We want to talk about where Pat Sertan would fit into not just his draft class but all these recent draft classes. You know, where where is he as a prospect? Where's he as a player at this point too? And that's going to come up later. Um but like I said, we got some big drama in just a second. Uh first though, DraftKings sports book is incredible. They're presenting sponsor this podcast. They're also just a lot of fun. Uh, the Abs are about to kick off another series, chip off Face face off another series. I don't, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> but uh, Monday, Tuesday night, it's gonna be a bunch of fun. I think they're like minus 235 to win the series. They're minus 110 to win the first game in regulation, though. So that's where I'm gonna be going. Um, if you're more of a basketball guy, you can sign up right now. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their next game. You'll get $150 in free bets if you're right. It's an awesome promotion. You gotta use the code DNVR when you sign up. Um and like i said if you do that bet $5 on any nba team to win their next game get $150 in free bets if they do it's promo code DMVR, only at draftkings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only new customers only minimum $5 deposit restrictions apply see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 also breckenridge brewery uh, like i said avalanche in the playoffs they're still going Drink some Avalanche Amber Ales. They're really good. Uh, they actually just posted a recipe on their Instagram for it's like Avalanche beer brats, and I I got really confused. I don't. It's surprising to me that the beer changes things when you cook the the brats in it. You know, like it just seems like ever, oil anyway.
1: Have you ever had beer brats?
0: I, I'm sure I have. Like I'm, I'm sure at some point those brats really see but It's like, what even is a beer flavor when it's not in a, in a beer? I'm just, I think it's just me wrapping my head around it that I can't get done.
1: I hear you. I hear you.
0: But yeah. So definitely it's the avalanche of the playoffs, so make those avalanche beer brats, drink some avalanche beers with it. We're big on the avalanche. and So are they. So, uh, use that beer locator, figure out where you can pick them up over at Breckbrew.com, and, uh, you'll be happy you did.
1: Wow. Great job, Henry. All by yourself. (laughs) Both
0: ads. (laughs) Yep. Turns out We don't have another one later either. So that that was it. I think maybe we separate those. I was really thinking we could have pushed these two conversations together, but it's whatever. I'm just expanding on the NIL stuff a little bit more. There were some shots fired. Uh, Nick Saban said it's some like dinner speech sort of thing. Um, And it was it was as part of a very long answer. It's like a 10 minute. Thing he's going on talking about college football and he makes some really good points but one of the things that he says is that you know we were second in recruiting last year AM and was 1st AM bought every player on their team made a deal for name image and likeness we didn't buy one player but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it obviously Jimbo didn't like that and that was actually a great morning the next morning I woke up um I think it was it it must've been at like eight 30. I woke up, saw that there was a a press conference on the way that Jimbo would call the press conference for 10 hour time. I was like, Oh boy, I got to get over to Starbucks real quick and get back right here so that I can watch that. And Jimbo just goes off. Jimbo just goes off. Uh, he's saying all sorts of shit. He's saying, uh, uh, I mean, some people think they're God go dig into how God did his deal. You'll find out maybe a lot of things that you don't want to know. You build him up to be the czar of college football. Go dig into his past, and so it's stuff like that where he's hinting at Nick Saban does things in a shady way. And as somebody who like spends a lot of time around like college football circles, everybody knows that. Like everybody knows that Nick Saban has not had the cleanest hands as he's gone about this. It's Bama football. You think that nobody got anything going to Bama football, but beyond that, I mean, it's SEC football, and it does seem like there's always been this thing in the SEC where. Everybody, everybody is, you know, sliding the bag under tables, sometimes on top of tables and nobody's going to call anybody out about it because they're all doing it. And if they all do it, then it's a level playing field and it just sets the SEC apart from the rest. But this seems like it could be kind of the end of that.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Massive drama. I mean, you don't want to talk about mudslinging and from two guys that work together too and yes. Thunder Saban at LSU. Um about 15 years ago, but yeah, I mean, just insane. Just on what you said, though, I kind of got flashbacks to, you know, the SEC has always kind of been involved in, you know, stuff like this, paying players and everything. I think back to that one uh, Ole Miss class. I think it was uh, the big one in 2014, I think it was the year, right, when they had Kim Diche. That I think that was the year they got A.J. Brown, too. Um, and they surprised everyone on National Signing Day. They go from, like, eighth in the country to, like, first overall class uh, just on signing day. And that was kind of one of those, uh, one of the times not too long ago where everyone kind of raised their eyebrow going, hmm, there's something going on here. Um, I don't know if it's to the level that Saban suggests uh, that A&M is doing because that is a hell of an accusi- accusation.
0: Well,
1: Straight up saying A&M wow. bought every player on their team. I mean, come on. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty extreme. And hmm, Saban himself, who, as you said, Henry, I mean, it's not like his hands are clean. He's probably, you know, uh, shook some hands and slid some money into the table or, you know, maybe done a favor for a prospect every now and then that, you know, of course, the NCAA is real tight on what you can and can't do. Uh, it's just insane. I mean, just to see them be going back and forth at the, at each other like this, um, it's I'm for sure circling this Bama A&M game October 8. coming up in a few months. And let's yep. go.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's okay. going to be
1: a lot of fun, but it, the
0: truth is, I mean, you can buy every player like that. That is now allowed. Like if you have NIL deals set up and again, like there are some little hurdles you have to jump. Like there's some things that kind of block that path. You know, you can't make an NIL deal that says you're coming to school here. Like they, that can't be contingent on being on school, playing for that team. It's the same thing. You know, I don't think anybody said this, but you know, I'm pretty sure PHNX had a deal coming with uh the with Jaden Daniels down there. And then that's another one where if they had gotten that deal through, there's nothing you could put in a deal that says if you leave, this doesn't work anymore. And so that could have yeah. like burned those guys down there. So you have that sort of stuff that's happening as well. Um, and again, like the boosters can't be involved at that point, nobody's enforcing it. And one of the things that Jimbo said. Was that, you know, I'm not involved with the boosters. I don't know if they're paying these kids. I, I, I'm, that's, that's up to them. But then like two seconds later says they didn't break any rules. It's like, well, you can't say they didn't break any yeah. rules. And also you have no idea what they did. Like that's <laughs> those two things do not work together. And yet, like the whole booster thing that should be going away. We'll see how exactly that works out. Um, but real drama
1: here, real drama yeah for sure I mean I can't help but think that uh, Jimbo's kind of leaning into it a little bit much um, I actually saw an interview he did with a local uh, a TV station out there in Texas and he was they were they got into it about this and Jimbo made it an emphatic point to say that only one of his I don't know 11, 12, 13 um, early enrollees so I'm assuming kids that oh, yeah. enrolled uh, for this previous semester that we just finished. Um, He said that only one of them had an NAL deal, which cool. That's fine. I mean, it's, it's only your early enrollees though. You still have the most of your class that's joining the team right now and in the fall. So uh, a little bit of a technicality there. I mean, I think that Nick Saban obviously regrets saying what he said. I think that he didn't completely mean what he said, obviously. Um, I think that he kind of, you know, he just started talking and ended up uh, saying things that he's just ended up regretting. Um, But it's also interesting five days before this whole controversy, you had Nick Saban saying, one of the things I'd like to see us to be able to work back to in college football is it's always had parody, which one, no college football has not always had parody. (laughs) And two, well, if you want some parody, man, you can't be calling out AM when they out-recruit you, even if they pay the players or not, you know? I mean, no. you can't you have both sides here.
0: It is. I mean, the guy calling for parody can't be the guy who's the one who's the most responsible for not having parody. <laughs> right. like, you can't, you can't. <laughs> blame him for trying to win a championship every season at Bama. Like, it's not his responsibility to be like, ah, you know what, we might go half-speed this season and just try to throw some parity out there. And I do believe that there's part of him that does think, like, yeah, it'd be good if we could just get college football in a better place, like, get more teams out there. But Mm -hmm. nobody gives a shit what Nick Saban has to say about parity. Like, like you don't need to be talking about parity. But but on top of that, you know, he did say – like the day the day after the Jimbo press conference or might have even been that afternoon he went on a radio station um but he basically said like yeah I stand by the points I made I shouldn't have named anybody in particular um and he was absolutely right well no he's not because I like the drama I think college football needs more <laughs> of this stuff like i I spent the rest of the day thinking like oh is there a world in which like the buffs beat USC and then Carl Durrell gets into it, Lincoln Riley afterward. And then all of a sudden the buffs are relevant nationally. It's like, Oh, that, that's, that's probably the dream scenario right now. So I don't want to say like, he, he should not have done it. Um, but it, it, when he does say things like, you know, it, we're, we're, we're in the newspaper, just read the newspaper and you can see people are cheating. Like, you can, you can see that all these deals are coming through, that the money is changing hands and that it's happening before they're going to school anywhere. Like, it's not like this is any sort of secret. We know everybody's cheating and we know because you can literally read about it in the newspe- newspaper. And he's totally right.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, like I mentioned, but the, it's been apparent many times in college football when you can see that, Something is going on that is not exactly being talked about. I mean, you know, you mentioned the uh, the Ole Miss uh, recruiting class from 2014 or whatever year it was. Um, think about Johnny football, man. I mean, how much money did he earn in college that was coming under the table? Um, a player that I mean, he what was he spending a half uh, that one time he actually got caught for our, like selling autographs or something. I mean, it's crazy. Um, not to mention, I mean, just the hypocrisy of college football just makes <laughs> me laugh sometimes. Yes. We have we have Saban here talking about parody, and then you have Lincoln Riley, the one who's preaching for NIL guardrails and, uh, <laughs> you know, oh. just rules to kind of keep that in check. It's just hilarious how this stuff all kind of works out, though. Um, yeah, I, I'm for sure circling October 8th now. It's probably my most anticipated game of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't wait. And like you said, it's – even though we're kind of in like the Wild West with this NIL, you know, college free agency stuff, having something like this, though, I think is good for the sport. Having these like kind of feuds. I mean, it's going to bring eyes to the television. It's going to make this game way more interesting. Imagine if this is actually a top five matchup now, though, if we both get to October 8th, you've got both teams sitting there at 5-0, and 6-0. You got all this drama hanging over. I mean, that is just an unbelievable game to watch at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, though, if you could see Colorado or, you know, any of these kind of, uh, you know, mid to bottom tier teams in these Power Five conferences, if they can kind of stir up some drama and actually beat one of these teams on the field, um, college football gets very, very interesting really quickly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, again, just to summarize some really terrible things happening to college football right now. (laughs) Part of it. So fun. And at the end of the day, like things are better for student athletes. You know, going back to just like big picture transferring, I was always team like, yeah, let them transfer. If they want to go somewhere like that's what every student can do. Any student at college has whatever pop up and want to be close to family or, or whatever. They just need a fresh start, whatever. Taking that away from from college athletes. It's dumb. We are kind of at the point now, though, where those aren't the players who are transferring. You know, they're they're transferring for pure football reasons. And that's the gross part. And there's really nothing you can do about it. And I still think like it's worth allowing the transfers, but well, we'll see what's up next. We'll see what's up next because the the rules are still half a decade away
1: from being close to set, (laughs) in my opinion. Yeah, this isn't over. I mean, I know this is kind of maybe a lot to take in and pretty wild for most college football off seasons that we've had to this point. But yeah, I mean I could if this is how it is in first year of you know NIL and player deals and all that, just imagine what's gonna happen down the road. I mean, we're we're only seeing the start of this. Absolutely.
0: Um let's let's transition here into the Pats or Tan talk. And I want to talk about first as a prospect. When we just looked through these past draft classes, and let's actually throw this year's into it as a pure prospect. Where does Pat Sertan fit? Just 2019, 2020, 2021, 22. Which guys stand out as players that you draft ahead of him? You know, JC Horn actually went in front of him. Um, You know, Jeff Okuda was a big time draft pick. Uh, This year you have Sauce Gardner. Where, Where does Sertan fit in for you?
1: Yeah, uh, an interesting conversation. I mean, uh, the, the the design of this segment kind of got lost in the weeds once we kind of lost everyone yeah. one by one. Um, originally, it would have been cool to have a draft, uh, all four yeah. of us of all these guys. Um, but yeah, just talking about it, it's interesting, though, because I remember when we were talking about PS2 and when he was coming out, just how clean he was, um, how polished he was, and which he obviously was as a rookie for the Broncos. And... We still haven't really seen anyone like that. I mean, mm. I think about it in retrospect now, and it's even crazier to me that J. C. Horn went before Patrick Sertan. I know that he got hurt, and we couldn't really see exactly what J. Uh, exactly what J. C. Horn was capable of last year, and what he played in those five six games was really good for sure. I'm not trying to diminish that, but man, it is insane that a player as polished, as young, as athletic. As Patrick Sertan wasn't even the first cornerback taken in his class. And when you look at it, um, maybe outside of Stingley, who even him, I mean, he he was kind of a shaky prospect. I mean, sauce was pretty clean, too. Um, I'd probably say that those were probably the cleaner ones. I mean, Jeff Okuda, we talked about him a little bit, too, uh, back in that time. And he was really clean also. But, man, he just did not have the transition into the NFL that PS2 did. So. I mean, is he the best cornerback out of these last three, three, four draft classes? You think? I
0: think so. I I do think so. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs is kind of the other one that I really look at, just because he's had the interceptions. Like there is something he can point at and say, "Really, it's not me." And so I think you have to at least acknowledge him, acknowledge him. But I mean, when you look at when you look at these cornerbacks right now. Pat Sertan almost has everything you look for. You know, it does seem like, like cornerbacks are getting smaller and that's a response to to wide receivers getting smaller. You can get away with it. Meanwhile, Pat Sertan still just has that prototypical ideal size that you look for in a cornerback. And I think that that kind of got overlooked. Um, Again, you talked about polished he is. And I think obviously that that's a piece of it as well. Um, The just the brain, like on top of being polished, on top of being technical, just being a very smart person, somebody you could totally see thinking the game at a high enough level to be a great cornerback. He has that. The one piece that's missing, it was the 40 time. And because of that, he slipped in the draft purely because of the 40 time. You know, was it like a four four six? I think at the pro day, it was a four four six. The combine might've been better. But you know, if he gets that down to a 4 8 all of a sudden he's a top three draft pick. And that's what I take away here is that just look at the football player. Like, let's not get too lost in these 40 times and things like that. Um, it's, it's easy to do. And, and I think that, you know, it's kind of the Derek Stingley thing where he has some of the tape. He, he doesn't quite have the same size. Um, def, definitely not quite as polished, although he is really good. You know, he's good at high pointing the ball. He, he can do those things really well. Um, but because he has the 40 time, He's what? Was he the third pick? The fourth pick?
1: I can't remember. Oh, sorry. Who? Who are you, who are you talking uh, about? Uh, Stingley. Oh yeah, Stingley, third overall in the Texans. Third. Yep,
0: that's right. So again, like just because he he's also missing kind of that one trait, Sertan missing that one trait, but because the forty time favors Sertan because that's a trait he has, he's a top three pick instead of slipping to nine.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. And then you I went and looked up the 40 yard dash. I mean, it was an unofficial four, four, six, which I mean, there's obviously a lot quicker guys, but yeah. come on, man. Four, four, six. We're not talking about no. uh, you know, DeAndre Baker's four nine or whatever he had. Uh yes. this is still four four is a, a number that you can live with. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that's a, a a great point. I mean, so going back and looking at I think the top cornerbacks is where you start. Uh, from each kind of respective class. And DeAndre Baker, I think, was – he was my favorite corner back in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously had a lot of problems uh, with the law and stuff. I think he's on a team, uh, if I'm not mistaken right now. Um, Double-check it. Yeah, he's on the – he's on the freaking Chiefs. Of course he is. So, (laughs) I mean, he was a player – I don't want to say similar to Pastor Tane, but I remember when he was coming out, he was a guy that was pretty well-rounded. I mean, that cornerback class – they all kind of had questions. So let's travel back in time a bit to 2019. The top three were DeAndre Baker. It was Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams. Um, that's kind of where everyone was deciding between. And DeAndre Baker was you know, kind of that more physical corner, I think, which is why he went first out of all these guys. More physical, had some of the more natural traits in terms of speed and everything. And Okuda was just a, a really clean prospect. I remember just He was so clean in his backpedal and just technique and guarding receivers. And then you go to 2021, that's where PS2 and JC Horn are. It's just interesting to me because it seems like Sertain's kind of like a a combination of DeAndre Baker and Okuda, where you get the physical traits of Baker. You get the kind of uh, physicality and willingness to really beat receivers up and just actually play football um, compared to a lot of these corners that come out and don't really care for tackling and all that. You get that. Compare it with Jeff Okuda or pair it with Jeff Okuda. His just clean technique, Um, you know, feet never get crossed. It's just impressive to watch. Uh, You saw it as a rookie last year. I mean, he was hanging with Jamar Chase um, and a bunch of other Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey. I mean, he was doing it all for the Broncos last year. So, yeah, it's uh, he's probably the combination of it all. I mean, another guy we're throwing out there, too, is AJ Terrell um from 2020 who's really kind of turned it around uh, after a shaky i would say shaky rookie campaign um he's really kind of looked as one of the best cornerbacks in the league at this point now yeah uh, so yeah it's i mean really i don't think he can do better than ps2 these last three four years yeah and i think you i totally
0: agree but just looking through you know the guys who haven't panned out it is kind of the 40 time guys like you know you throw like cj henderson In that category, just like Mm freak 40 time, but let's see, because there wasn't I knew some helped himself, Farley helped himself. Trell wasn't a
1: 40-time guy. Yeah, I mean, I think of guys like Byron Murphy, um, Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson who ended up being, I think he ended up being a first-round pick from the Raiders, I believe, right? Yeah. So yeah, these are these are kind of guys that um not the quickest. Uh, I'm trying to look who else here. Yeah, Greedy Williams was in that quick also. Yep. Um, who else going back? I don't think Trevon Diggs ran that great either, honestly. Either. And he was an he's an interesting case too because coming out, he obviously played opposite of certain right? Mm-hmm. So um, he was an interesting case because obviously you had PS2 on one side kind of locking everything down. So he got a lot of work on the other side. That's where a lot of his college interceptions and stuff came from. And I was one of those. And I guess a lot of people too had a lot of reason to believe that a lot of those interceptions be- came because he was playing opposite of PS2. Um, and then he just enters the league and kind of just keeps on going the same thing. Um, you know, you just, some of these players just kind of argue that Jeff Gladney's another guy. Uh, he was really good coming out. Um, he, he had kind of issues, I think with, uh, I don't know what exactly was going on. He's on the Cardinals now. Um, only what two years removed from his draft Cardinals basically got a free first round pick from 2020. Um, I don't think he was a 40 time guy. I remember Cam Dantzler, uh, out of the 2020 class. I think he's a Viking also. Mm-hmm. He ran like a four, six, five or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth mentioning, you know, these are all times that weren't laser time. These are all like pro day times because of all the weird COVID stuff that was going on. True. Uh, so yeah, a lot of weird stuff going on then. Totally.
0: Um, yeah. I think that that kinda of nails it um with the Trayvon Diggs, I mean it definitely doesn't hurt to get all those targets like like if you get reps in college where you get opportunities to make interceptions, those are really good reps to have, and I bet it does translate just having the experience of being that guy helps you make plays later on um but yeah, I mean, Pats are tan just so clean, so big, so fast, like four, four six. That's fast. That's fast. And like the 40 times over the last five years, 10 years, whatever have just dropped so much that feels like, oh, okay, that's solid. That's fast. That is really fast when you look through the history yeah. of good cornerbacks. Like I wonder I wonder what Champ Bailey was when he came out. He he must have been under the the four four.
1: He had to have been. I mean, he was an absolute dog, I remember, uh, and Washington four, two, before. Eight? Four two eight, Jesus! Oh, yeah. Daryl Reeves four just three eight, stud. Charles Woodson four four four. There you go. That's the same forty time as a uh, PS two with Charles Woodson there. So, yeah, so, we'll take it. Um, we also got this uh, talking about Patrick Sertain. We also got this pro football focused top twenty five under twenty five yes. uh, list that came out. Um, I think it came out last week. But Patrick Sertain also ended up making this list um, towards the end, I think at number 20, Uh, a pretty interesting list though. I mean, do you have any takeaways immediately looking at this list? Uh, I mean,
0: in my head, I still underrate Brian Burns, who's at 15 here. You know, his name just always feels like one. It's like, okay. Um, Rashawn Gary, his rise last season to number 11 is very impressive, obviously didn't do all that much was kind of blocked his first year, but he's definitely a prime breakout candidate. Um, I mean, I I really like, uh, Antoine Winfield jr. Coming out. I don't know if Asante Samuel, no Asante Samuel is not on here, but the two juniors, I always really like them just because they're like the sons of former players. They were always in the right Right. field, like not 40 time guys. It's like, it's good to see those guys pan out kind of
1: validates me. Um, but yeah, what do you have? Um at number 10 DK Metcalf. I would it blew me away to find out that he was that young still. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. I mean, this is a guy kind of entering the end of his rookie contract and he's still making the 25 and the 25 list. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just some studs here. I mean, I think that's, there's that's going to be
0: Stan too. He could he'll yeah. be on this list again next year. He'll be on the list again the year after that. He turned 22
1: last month. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, he's a staple on this list. I mean, yeah. As long as he wants to play, if they make a twenty-nine under twenty-nine, he's <laughs> gonna probably make this list. Um, but just from some some scouting things, I think we can take away is a uh, a lot of studs on this list. Like a lot of high-profile prospects. Um, you look at Nick Bosa, who was a number one overall pick. Justin Herbert was way up there. Um, Micah Parsons, even though last year he was a big topic of debate just because he only played that one season. He ends up making the list uh, in that same vein, Jamar chase. uh, He ends up making the list. Rashawn Slater was a guy that was, you know, pretty high profile through and through in the process. And then of course, Trevor Lawrence actually makes the list at 21. uh, After, uh, I don't know. Are you shocked Trevor Lawrence made the list after how bad last year was?
0: Oh, that that, that did cross my mind. I'll say, yeah, I'll say I am. And he didn't, he didn't do anything to prove it. I mean, it's, it's i think some people can look at guys and be like well only what happens in the nfl matters and and there's something to that but i do think you can learn a lot from college football and what we saw from him in college you're still willing to bet on him you know I, that that is an important part of the story but yeah to have him up that high yeah uh, I, I don't know that i would have put him on the list
1: yeah a little bit of a tough one um I, I guess uh, real quick to wrap it up, though, a surprise, I'd say, is number 16, Creed Humphrey from the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we talked about this last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the draft, I remember we were all like, oh, they got Creed Humphrey in the fourth, fifth round, whatever it was. Like, that's insane value. And I don't know, but it took him less than one football season, and he's already making this list. Uh, yeah. not, not good news. They also mentioned Trey Smith, too. They're two youngest offensive linemen, uh, oh. uh, these Chiefs. That's tough
0: um you got anything else i feel like i'm good
1: yeah i think we're good here oh i should mention um if you're looking for more on this ps2 stuff i do have an article on the site um by the time you listen to this i'll have a tweet up but if you just go to the site it's on there um it's basically just how good can ps2 be it's a broncos film room just head to the broncos section it's right there for you
0: absolutely i still haven't had a chance to check it out you can you give us like the two key takeaways from it
1: yeah sure um so I mean one of the takeaways we already kind of mentioned just how clean he was as a rookie I mean I watched five six games of him from last year and it's just so impressive honestly that this guy was in his first year and he's just looked so clean uh was always in the right place um you know even when he was kind of at times not his best plays I wouldn't say it was because of a lack of ability or lack of not knowing where he needed to be it was just Uh, You kind of saw him processing at the time where he was just like kind of, you know, a little frozen on the field a bit. Just a split second, though. That's about all that really, uh, I mean, in terms of negatives, that's about all you could really say. This guy was a rookie, man. I mean, uh, I get into it a bit towards the end of the article talking about his ceiling and just how good he could be. But I mean, with all the praise that he's gotten this offseason from teammates and coaches and everything, uh, I think the Broncos just have a really special player. And I'm just really excited.
0: So excited too. That might be my Jersey. I might need to, I, I, I feel like I got to get at least two more jerseys before this season. Cause I'm out. Like I've got, I've got like Emmanuel Sanders, got Vaughn and Peyton, you know, I don't have a, I don't think I have anybody currently on the roster.
1: Yeah. So I, I got a DT Jersey back in 2013. Okay. Um, of course, one of the best, one of my favorites. Um, and then after there, I kind of struggled with that too. So I ended up getting a Champ Bailey jersey in like 2016, just a white Champ Bailey jersey, just, just clean and simple.
0: That's so good. That's so good. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back next week. Not sure what we have planned, but I'm sure it'll be some fun stuff. Hopefully we get Justin and Dre back on. Uh, but, but that'll do it for this week's episode of the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, for Jake, uh, we were uh, signing off. I don't ever say that. I'm always on a solo podcast. We got we to gotta <laughs> practice that a little bit. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.